Hi, this is Pastor Bill Woods, and I'm hoping that you're having a good 2023. I hope that God just blesses you and uses you however he sees fit. I think that we ought to start with a thought on this new year about lock the door on yesterday. Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14 in the King James Version says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You know, there are many things you should always remember. Uh, we need to remember God. Jeremiah chapter 2, verses 3 through 13 says, In those days Israel was holy to the Lord, the first of his children. All who harmed his people were declared guilty, and disaster fell on them. I, the Lord, have spoken. Listen to the word of the Lord, people of Jacob, all you families of Israel. This is what the Lord says. What did your ancestors find wrong with me that I that led them to stray so far from me? They worshipped worthless idols only to become worthless themselves. They did not ask, Where is the Lord who brought us safely out of Egypt and led us through the barren wilderness, a land of deserts and pits, a land of drought and death, where no one lives or even travels? And, and when I brought you into a fruitful land to enjoy its bounty and goodness, you defiled my land and corrupted the possession I had promised you. The priest did not ask, Where is the Lord? Those who taught my word ignored me, and the rulers turned against me. And the prophets spoke in the name of Baal, wasting their time on worthless idols. Therefore, I will bring my case against you, says the Lord. I will even bring charges against your children's children in the years to come. Go west and look in the land of Cyprus. Go east and search through the land of Kedar. Has anyone ever heard of anything as strange as this? Has any nation ever traded its gods for new ones, even though they are not gods at all? Yet my people have exchanged their glorious god for worthless idols. The heavens are shocked at such a thing and shrink back in horror and dismay, says the Lord. For my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. That description, I think, fits America today. We have forgotten God, and now God's judgment is pending. We need to remember God's warning in Psalm 9:17 that says, The wicked shall be turned into hell, and the nations that forget God. No other nation has enjoyed more blessings than the United States of America. God has miraculously stood with us through our nation's history. That all began to change when God began to withhold his blessings in the 1960s when we banned God from our schools, our courts, and our society. We've been on a downhill slide ever since. Every facet of sin has gotten worse. We can no longer claim to be one nation under God indivisible. Remember, past afflictions God has allowed to come upon us when we disobey him. We need to remember that when we obey him, he blesses us. When we disobey him, we reap judgment. How lean our souls become when we ignore and forget God. If we want God's blessing, 
we need to remember Psalm 33:12, the key to a renewed relationship with our Creator. In Psalm 33:12, it says, "Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, and the people whom He has chosen as His heritage." We must also remember those who suffer for righteousness' sake. Hebrews 13:3 says, "Remember those in prison." as if you were there yourself. Remember also those being mistreated, as if you felt their pain in your own bodies. We must remember the persecuted church and parts of the world where a person's quest for God and their wanting to serve God can lead to imprisonment, torture, and even death. Lamentations 3, 17-24 says, Peace has been stripped away, and I have forgotten what prosperity is. I cry out, my splendor is gone. Everything I had hoped for from the Lord is lost. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. Uh, his mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in him. Now there are many things you ought to remember, like I said, but there are also things you ought to forget. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, 13 and 14, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul had a lot of things that he needed to forget. He had, as Saul of Tarsus, he had persecuted Christians. He'd been filled with such arrogance and pride. He had to forget that he had helped to murder Stephen, the first martyr, and the inhuman inhumane punishment he had dealt out to innocent servants of Christ from one place to another as he hunted them down. There were things in his past he needed to forget, things that continued to haunt him. Aren't you glad that when you repent and ask God's forgiveness, he removes the sin and guilt as far as the east is from the west? Now, Psalms 103.12, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us? Now, you understand that, I'm sure, but I'm going to explain it anyhow. If you go east uh, uh, on our planet, and you continue going east all the way around, you never start going west. If you go west, you go all the way around, and you never start going east. If you go north, there comes a time you begin to go south, and if you go south, there comes a time you begin to go north. And so what God has said is when he forgets our sins, he removes them as far as the east is from the west, where he will never remember them against us anymore. And I say, praise God, hallelujah. Paul was determined to forget his past. You know, we need to do the same thing, to straighten things out with God and then lock the doors on yesterday and remember those things no more. I, I would say first, lock the door on yesterday's mistakes. Everyone can look back at mistakes and embarrassing situations and say, oh, why did I do that? Or what a fool I made of myself. I, I remember the first funeral that I had when I was pastoring in Grand Coulee, Washington. Uh, 
a lady's father had died and, and uh, the funeral was going to be in Brewster, Washington, a trip about 50 miles away. And I can remember getting there. It was a graveside service. And I said to the people in the process of it, let's repeat the Lord's Prayer. Well, my mind went blank. I could not remember the Lord's Prayer. Nobody there knew the Lord's Prayer. I had to make one up. I guess I just start our Father who art in heaven, and I don't know what I said after that. But I was so embarrassed to think that a pastor would forget something like that and not be able just to rattle it off. I, I just was humiliated beyond belief. Dale Carnegie, Carnegie, Carnegie kept a folder labeled FTD, which means fool things I have done. Albert Hubbard said, Every man is a fool for at least five minutes every day. Wisdom consists in not exceeding that limit. You've made your share of blunders and mistakes. What do you do with them? Do you mourn and sorrow over them? Do you beat yourself up saying, Why did this happen? Why did I make such a fool? Do you let them change your life by keeping yourself wretched and miserable, hanging on to these mistakes? Well, not at all. God says forget them. I, I was thinking about back in 1974, I realized that the bicentennial of the United States of America was just two years away and that our church there in Pullman, Washington ought to do something spectacular to celebrate this momentous occasion. I got a great idea. I said, we need to have a God and country celebration. I told my church this uh, was an opportunity for us to do something in honor of God and something that the community would know who we were. And they thought it was a great idea, too. So I secured permission from the district advisory board. That would be the, the group of advisors for the district, the pastors that were able to make decisions and stuff about what was happening on the district. They were excited. We contacted Paul Harvey about co coming to uh, be the speaker of our God and Country celebration. It was going to cost us $5,000. We secured the Washington State University Coliseum there in Pullman so that we could have the, the session there. The cost was $8,000. We secured the Spear family, a musical group, for a concert to come and, and supplement as we worship together. The cost was $1,800. We printed brochures, ran ads on the radio. In fact, I was on 10 radio stations. On television, we were on two channels. Everything was falling in place, and this was going to be spectacular. We were excited about what was going to happen. Paul Harvey was scheduled to speak on Saturday following the 4th of July. We had to sell 3,500 tickets at $3 each to meet expenses. No problem. Paul Harvey was coming. The local newspaper was published once a week on Wednesdays. It picked up the story that Paul Harvey was coming and printed in great big headlines, Paul Harvey here on Sunday. I went to them. I begged them to correct the mistake. I said, it's not coming on Sunday. It's coming on Saturday. They said, well, they only published once a week on Wednesday, and they couldn't do anything about it. What a disaster. I tried to get word out about the published mistake. The wrong day was advertised. 
I called Paul Harvey in Chicago and spoke directly to him. He announced on his radio program that he'd be in Pullman, Washington next Saturday, not on Sunday. Saturday came and 1,800 people showed up. Sunday came and over 3,000 people showed up for the rally. We were left in a horrible position. We were left $8,000 under budget, which I had to raise to pay the bills. My district superintendent said, well, we could have told you it wasn't going to work. I hope you have a car to sell some, or some other way to pay these obligations. I, I, I told him it was awfully easy to kick somebody when they're down. We had asked, and you'd given permission. Well, I ended up selling our pickup and camper that we had enjoyed so very much. And I stayed an extra year to see this project through. In fact, I, I was called to a couple churches in California during that time and could not take them because I felt obligated to see this project through. I knew my career was over. Nobody would want a pastor that failed like that. I mourned. I lost sleep. I was embarrassed to go to district meetings to see the other pastors and have I, I felt like they were looking at me and saying, what a fool. Well, finally, I told God I can't take this anymore. I tried to do something for your glory, but it didn't work. I'm going to put it in your hands and forget the past and look forward to what lies ahead. I'm going to press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Jesus Christ, is calling me. If we were wise, we'd learn to do that with all of our failures. Don't cry over spilt milk. Don't fret and worry over mistakes and blunders of the past. You cannot change what has already happened. So I think there are three things we need to do with these mistakes. One, you learn from your past mistakes. There's something valuable to learn from our mistakes. Saying that, I should be one of the wisest men around because of all the learning I've had to do because of the fool things that I have done. Then determine not to make the same mistake again. I, I learned there. I've never tried to schedule Paul Harvey again after that. And then forget about it. The Bible says forgetting those things which are behind. Now, there's a warning that I want to give you. Satan isn't going to forget. He's determined to bring your failures up to you as many times as he can in an effort to defeat you. But you need to learn how to tell him that you've settled this whole matter with Jesus Christ. Christ has removed this as far as the east is from the west and doesn't remember these things against you anymore. And so in the name of Jesus Christ, Satan, be gone. I rebuke and bind you, and I don't want to hear any more from you about it. The second thing is lock the door on yesterday's injuries. Life's a battleground. On a battleground, you can't help getting hurt once in a while. Sooner or later, someone's going to hurt you. They'll lie about you, they'll misrepresent you, they'll slight you, they'll give credit to somebody else for your accomplishments, and they'll work against you, they'll do something to harm you. Well, what do you do with these wounds? Do you brood over them? Do you let resentment grow and fester? No, listen to God, forgetting, forgetting those things which are behind. 
if I let those things fester and, and it's going to destroy me after a while. So I need to just turn it over to God and say, God, here is the problem. You take it. I can't handle it anymore. It's kind of like Joseph in the Old Testament when his brothers sold him into slavery and, and he was taken off to Egypt. And Joseph, you know, was put in Potiphar's house and Potiphar's wife framed him and accused him of rape and he was put into prison. In prison, he was there and he, he helped a, a butcher, and a, I mean a baker and a butler, excuse me, and interpreted their dreams and, and the dreams came true and he told the butler who was the one that got put back reinstated to Pharaoh he said don't forget me while you're there tell him about me and a couple of years passed and Joseph was still in prison you know Joseph could have let, uh, let God uh, let these things faster and become very very bitter about things you remember the story how finally Pharaoh had a dream about uh, a coming uh, prosperity for seven years and famine for seven years and he didn't understand the dream finally the butler came through and he said you know joseph could interpret this dream for you and he was uh, then elevated to the second in, in command of all of egypt you know the story in genesis well joseph could have let god you know deal with his brothers or he could have destroyed himself with bitterness thank god he didn't destroy himself with bitterness. And he found out that no matter what you go through, that all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. The third thing is we must lock the door on yesterday's sorrows. Too many people live under the constant shadow of great sorrow. For them, the light of life was extinguished when a loved one died or when tragedy struck, and they never found the light again. There are two reasons why we must get over sorrow. Not to get past it shows a lack of submission to God's will. Do you believe God's wise and just? Do you believe God is loving? You know, bathing in unending sorrow questions God's wisdom and his justice and his love. Really, it's rebellion against God's will and purpose. Now, uh, I remember how reading in the Bible how Samuel mourned over King Saul when Saul got out of step with God and God said, how long will you, you know, I'm going to uh, put you, uh, take the kingdom away from you is what I'm trying to say and, and give it to another. And Samuel just wept and cried over this. And God said, how long will you mourn for Saul seeing I rejected him from reigning over Israel? First Samuel 16, 1. Uh, a second reason why we must get over sorrows of the past is mourning cannot bring our loved one back or change the tragedy. All the tears in the world won't change the situation. How much better to accept what we can't change and, and just ask God to give us strength and then to move on. After President Abraham Lincoln's son Willie died, Lincoln was so devastated he almost became a recluse. He could hardly function. One of his advisors told him he'd have to let Willie go because he still had a country to run. God doesn't say we mustn't sorrow. He knows we have emotions. He knows when tragedy comes, we can't help but sorrow and weep. However, you know, there have been times where God has said, that's enough. You know, I, I, help me. I can help you put your life back together. 
I remember in the Bible where he wouldn't let Ezekiel mourn for his wife. Remember, Ezekiel was out prophesying to the people and the people didn't like him and they'd say mean things and throw rocks at him and spit at him. Ezekiel would come home and his wife would comfort him and was, was right there to, to bolster him up. One day God said to Ezekiel, when you get home tonight, your wife is going to be dead, but I don't want you to mourn. I want you to go out tomorrow and continue preaching like you always have. Man, talk about a rough assignment. And yet God was able to help him even at that point. Aaron was told not to mourn his sons when they had gone into the tabernacle and desecrated uh, the holy fire and God struck them dead. And Aaron was, was told by God, don't mourn your sons. But God doesn't tell us not to mourn. He just doesn't want us to mourn forever. He wants us to pick things up, trust him, and move on in life. God, you know, there's work to do. Life goes on. We have responsibilities to meet. We're no use to God or anyone else sitting with our hands folded, all wrapped up in gloom. Then we must lock the door on yesterday's sins. Many people carry a crashing burden of guilt through their lives. There was a slip, a, a moral failure. Uh, you know, this comes back to God says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So many people have wasted years where God was left out of their lives because of the ghost of past failures that have come back to haunt and torment. When, when sin, no matter how big or awful, has been confessed and forgiven, we must let it go. We can be our own worst enemy. It's not how many times you fall, but how often you get back up. I remember when our daughter Kimberly was learning how to ride a bike. We were living in Pullman, Washington, and Kimmy, uh, we had some company there, and Kim said, I want to show you this, Daddy. I want to show you how I can ride this bike. And she came out of the garage on the bike and somehow fell splat all over the driveway. She got up. She had a smile pasted on her face. She went into the house, and you could hear her scream bloody murder in there. And then she came out again. But she didn't quit riding the bike. She got back on and learned how to ride her bike. I wish we all had that kind of tenacity. I read about a school teacher who burned records of misdeeds of her students each year. You know, she said, we're going to start fresh and new each year, and we're not going to let these things destroy our relationship. God's done this. In Jeremiah 31, 34, and they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, you should know the Lord, for everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already says the Lord, and I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins. Micah seven nineteen. once again you will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet and throw them into the depths of the ocean. Psalm one hundred three twelve. he has removed our sins as far as from the east to the, is from the west, from uh, never to remember them against us anymore. If God's willing to forgive you, why would you wallow in misery remembering what God has already forgotten? Satan's always there to remind you. Again, rebuke him in the name of Jesus. Remind him that God has forgiven you. 
If God has removed your sins as far as the east is from the west, why should you or Satan bring them back again? I read about an old Catholic lady who often visited the confessional. Each time she'd graphically describe a sin of discretion that had happened years before when she was young. Finally, the priest said, You confessed this sin to me at least a hundred times. Why do you keep bringing it up again? And she said, Oh, Father, I get so much satisfaction remembering how it happened. You know, <laughs> we need to forget those things, put them behind us. The new year is generally thought to be a good time to make resolutions. The best resolution you can make is to lock the door on yesterday with its blunders, with its wounds, with its sorrows, with its sins. Lock the door. Throw the, uh, the key away. Forget where you'd thrown it. God is saying, forgetting those things which behind, are behind, the fears, the disappointments, the hurts, the anger, the hatred, anything that hampers your walk with Jesus Christ, confess it to him, give it to him, and then forget about it. Lock the door on yesterday and move ahead to a victorious 2023. Well, praise God. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I pray that you help us that we might really, truly give our lives completely to you and not be tortured about what happened in the past. We can't do anything about it, but to make up our mind, we're going to move from here to be victorious as we go through this coming year and the rest of our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, you can contact me through the email. It's lowercase r-e-v-w-m-w-w-o-o-d-s at gmail.com. Or you can write me at box 4031, Sun Valley, Arizona, 86029. Or, if need be, you can get in touch with me by my phone number, 623-845-2741. God bless you. I'm just praying you'll have a good year. And uh, I hope everything it just turns out like victorious for you and God.